Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Clinical Pharmacist podcast. We are continuing our clinical review series. Today's topic is all about heart failure. I'm your host, Runa Salim, and as always, I have my lovely co-host with me, Rahina Kassa. Rahina, welcome. Hi, Rina. Hi, everyone. So as Rina mentioned, today's podcast will be on heart failure reviews. Today, Rina will be giving us some insight on how to conduct a heart failure review. Rina has a plethora of experience and has developed the heart failure module, which is part of the clinical medication review series. And just some exciting news to share with our listeners. Rina has been nominated as a finalist for the CND GP Pharmacist of the Year Award. So a massive congratulations to Rina. For our audience who may not know, Rina, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to develop this program. Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I know today's a little bit different. Tables are turned and I'm being asked the questions. So just to start off with, for those of you who don't know me, I've been a pharmacist for about 10 years now and I've been working in primary care for about six of those years. I am an independent prescriber and I have been working in primary care ever since. I've been doing a number of things such as managing chronic condition reviews and minor illnesses. I've been working in practice and remote. I've I've also been dealing with heart failure management in practice as well. And in my current role, where I have been in the last few years, I am the clinical lead and I'm also the founder of Clinical Pharmacist Academy, where I help to develop training programs. I see where the needs are for the pharmacists that uh, we work with and also the pharmacists in the public sphere as well. Have a look at some of those learning needs and those training gaps and try to develop training to help upskill our fellow pharmacists. Through speaking to pharmacists and supporting them with their clinical needs and practice, I found that pharmacists were quite apprehensive when it came to conducting heart failure reviews. And I felt like it was one of the areas where pharmacists did need a lot of support. So I've read various guidelines. I've also got firsthand experience in managing heart failure patients. So I helped develop the heart failure training program, which is one of the modules of the clinical medication review series, as you said, Rahina. So, yep, that's me. And perfect. Thank you, Rina. So it seems like you've got quite a lot of experience there. And I think this works hand in hand with you supporting a lot of our pharmacy team as well. So I know quite a few members of our team often reach out to us where they have struggles with heart failure reviews, either they've not done them before or they're new to practice and they've come across their practice wanting them to do heart failure reviews. So it's been really, really useful in order to help to develop our team as well. So Rina, could you just explain to our listeners why should pharmacists get involved with heart failure reviews? Yeah, absolutely. So we know there's been a lot of change with cough indicators, especially in the last few months. But actually, you'd be glad to know that when it comes to heart failure, the cough indicators actually haven't changed. So there's still a lot of cough points associated with conducting, you know, a thorough heart failure review. And it actually carries one of the highest cough points per indicator or condition and it's actually worth 29 quaff points. So it's quite a significant uh, weight. So as well as being able to ensure that your heart failure patients receive high quality evidence-based care, I'm sure your practice managers and GP partners will be quite keen to get any help they can to ensure that refuse are done on time. So as I said, you know, it's a great opportunity to support your practices. And actually in terms of how pharmacists are placed and, you know, why I think pharmacists can be potentially great at conducting heart failure reviews, uh, due to the variety of the treatments available in heart failure and the different classifications of drugs, so you've got angiotensin receptor blockers, you've got ACE inhibitors, you've got beta blockers and others. So 
you really need a good understanding of pharmacotherapy to ensure that you manage your patients effectively and safely. And I think after doctors, pharmacists are best positioned for this. So initially, pharmacists might shy away from um, conducting heart failure reviews, thinking that there might be you know, complex physical assessments involved, such as knowing all the different heart sounds and whatnot. But you don't actually necessarily need that during a routine review because once a patient's been diagnosed by the specialist and is stable and you know the care is then transferred to primary care, the main aim is treatment optimization. So, which is where pharmacists are best placed to deliver that sort of care. So I think at first glance, it seems a little bit overwhelming for perhaps some pharmacists. I think once you take the time to understand it, it's not that complicated. And um, hopefully we can break it down a little for our listeners today. Absolutely. And I can completely understand where some of the pharmacists may be coming from, that it can be quite daunting when you're just being given a heart failure review to do for the first time. But I think understanding that we're the experts in medication as pharmacists and we've got all of our resources and we know our pharmacotherapy and we know our pharmacology so this should put us in the correct position to be able to conduct these reviews and also just touching on for for those listeners that aren't sure what quaff indicators are so quaff is quality outcome framework so it's a framework set by the nhs that increase funding for a gp practice but it's also primarily involved around in enhancing patient safety and patient care so especially in this area we're looking at patients specifically to do with heart failure So leading on to that, Runa, what is heart failure? Okay, so heart failure is defined by NICE as a complex clinical syndrome of symptoms and signs that suggest that the efficiency of the heart as a pump has been impaired. And these symptoms are things like shortness of breath, tiredness, and swelling in your ankles or legs. So those are the most common symptoms. This is normally caused by a structural or functional abnormality of the heart. So that heart failure in a nutshell. Perfect. And how is it diagnosed and how much does does the pharmacist get involved at this stage? Okay, so typically a patient may present to the GP or yourself if you happen to see the patient with symptoms of heart failure. And as I said, the most common examples being shortness of breath or um, bilateral ankle swelling. And then the GP or yourself, who, you know, you then go on to refer to the GP, may request a number of investigations, including a blood test for BNP. So you may have heard of this before. This is brain natriuretic peptide, and this is the main marker for heart failure in the blood test. And if this is elevated, the GP will then refer the patient to cardiology for an echocardiogram. So, and through this echo, um, this will confirm the diagnosis of heart failure if it's present by assessing a number of factors such as valve function, wall thickness, and most specifically, ejection fraction. And depending on this ejection fraction calculation, heart failure is classified into two main groups. So there's something called preserved ejection fraction and left ventricular systolic dysfunction. So preserved ejection fraction is when the ejection fraction is more than 50%. So these patients may have symptoms of heart failure, but their ejection fraction is actually preserved. And then the other group, which I mentioned, is LVSD. This is, as I mentioned, left ventricular ejection fraction when it's less than or equal to 40%. And almost half of patients with heart failure have LVSD. And then somewhere in between these two groups is another subgroup, which you may have heard of, which is called mildly reduced ejection fraction. So that's how it's diagnosed and that's how it's classified. And as I said, you know, pharmacists, as you can see, don't necessarily get involved too much in a diagnosis, but it's important to be able to recognize 
those sort of typical symptoms so that you can refer if need to. And then uh, the patient can go on to get their echocardiogram and uh, confirm the diagnosis if it is present. Perfect. Thank you, Rina. So I think it's really like important to see that you've got three main types there. So knowing that you've got these three main types, Rina, how would you review someone that has got heart failure? Okay, sure. So it depends on the classification that they have. So if we start off with LVSD, because I think this is really important for pharmacists to understand. If your patient has the LVSD subtype of heart failure, they need to be treated with an ACE inhibitor or an angiotensin receptor blocker and a beta blocker. So these are the two main treatments that the patient needs to be on. And then you need to review these medications, not only to ensure that they're on them, but to ensure that they're optimized at the maximum tolerated doses. And then all patients, regardless of subtypes, whether they have LVSD or not, you need to ensure that they have an annual review and a functional capacity assessment. So what this is, it's just a grading system used to assess a patient's ability to perform daily activities pretty similar to the COPD breathlessness score, if you're familiar with that. So those are sort of the main components of the heart failure review. Okay. Is this why there's multiple registers for heart failure? Yeah, exactly. So this is where a lot of pharmacists get confused when it comes to heart failure review. So in practice, there's actually, there's one heart failure register, which includes all subtypes. And then there's also an additional register for your LVSD heart failure subtype. And this overlaps the main heart failure register. And because of the, you know, the different treatments involved with LVSD, you can see why it's important to maintain this additional register because we need to make sure that, you know, the LVSD patients are read coded properly so that if we're doing a search, for example, we can ensure that these patients are picked up where we need to initiate ACE inhibitors or beta blockers, for example. Okay, perfect. And which pharmacist would you say could initiate or up titrate treatment? Okay, so that's a really good question. I think, um, you know, pharmacists are often unsure sometimes of, you know, what they can and can't do within their role, whether you're a prescriber or, or a non-prescriber. So I would say all pharmacists, regardless of whether you're a prescriber or not, you can certainly help your practice with conducting heart failure reviews. However, when it comes to initiating or up titrating treatment, I would say as a non-prescriber, if you feel that the patient's medications are not optimized, you can certainly make recommendations to the GP rather than attempting to up titrate the treatment yourself. So unless you're a prescriber and you're competent in this area, I would suggest that you, rather than doing it yourself, you make the recommendations to the GP if you find that there's room for optimization. And I'm sure the GPs will be very grateful for the recommendations because you've done all the legwork for them and, you know, identify these patients. And it shows them that you're doing the review thoroughly. And in fact, if um, nothing was being referred to the GP and you've done dozens of heart failure reviews, that actually might be a cause for concern that you've, you haven't identified anyone, you know, where there's room for optimization or initiation of treatment. So hopefully that's clear for our prescribers and non-prescribers out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a non-prescriber, making recommendations to the GP as well, I think that's a really good learning point as well. So you're not only just building up your confidence in the area where you're doing heart failure reviews, but you're constantly learning as well. So eventually you'll be at a point where you might be able to do these reviews independently. Um, so what else needs to be checked during a heart failure review? Okay, so um, as well as those things that I've mentioned, there are a number of other things that you need to ensure that you check during the heart failure review. One of them being assessing heart failure symptoms. So those things that I mentioned with regards to 
breathlessness, ankle swelling, and weight as well, because these actually indicate the level of fluid retention. So that, that's really important. Weight monitoring is a big thing uh, when it comes to heart failure. You also need to assess pulse and regularity. Because we need to check for regularity, it's important that this is done manually because it won't necessarily be picked up with a machine or it might come up as an error. So that's really important to do. Also blood pressure uh, as expected. And then there are also some routine blood tests as well, which will include a full blood count, urea and electrolytes for the kidney function, um, HbA1c and non-fasting lipids. And those are sort of, you know, the main routine checks that need to be done. Okay, perfect. What are some other factors that you may need to bear in mind during the review, such as over-the-counter therapy and lifestyle advice? Okay, sure. Yeah. So I think this is a really good question. There's certainly so much that encompasses a heart failure review and a lot of it is advice and ensuring the patient's well-educated so that they're avoiding the exacerbating factors and, and they know when to seek medical attention. So I think one of the main things is advising your patient to avoid over-the-counter NSAIDs. So, you know, you know, proxins and ibuprofen and also review any prescribed medications. So if they've got any prescribed NSAIDs on there, you need to make sure you review that. Also things like verapamil and diltiazem, these are things that can aggravate heart failure. And, you know, particularly these two calcium channel blockers, because they reduce heart rate and ultimately reduce cardiac output, they can worsen heart failure. So it's really important to try and stop these medications. Another one that we touched upon earlier as well is maintaining fluid balance. As we know, fluid retention is a big problem when it comes to heart failure. And actually, if a patient has severe symptomatic heart failure, we actually need to restrict fluid intake. So for example, less than one and a half litre to two litres a day to help relieve symptoms. But of course, you need to make sure that you don't restrict fluid intake excessively to risk dehydration and also avoiding excessive salt intake because we know that this affects fluid retention as well. The more salt you have, the worse the fluid retention will be. Another thing would be to ensure that you counsel your patient uh, with regards to sick day rules to reduce the risk of acute kidney injury especially if they're on things like ACE inhibitors or ARBs or dapagliflozin, those sorts of medications. And then some other general things like, you know, smoking cessation, if relevant, like alcohol consumption. But those are just some of the considerations. There are others such as ensuring the immunizations are up to date. But yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Thank you for that, Runa. You certainly have a lot of insight into this area and I've learned a lot just listening to you now. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners at all? Yeah, sure. So we know that heart failure is quite a big area. And I think the lot can, that can be said, but fortunately in the limited time that we do have, not everything can be covered. But hopefully, you know, this has given you some idea of what a heart failure review entails and hopefully also inspired you to make that step and perhaps upskill yourself so that you can start supporting your practices with conducting heart failure reviews. And I would say if you've been in practice for at least a year, and you're already conducting medication reviews, I think it's a great next step for you. It's a great opportunity to expand your clinical scope, especially if you're already managing other chronic conditions like asthma and COPD. And I think it's really important to understand the basics of heart failure because it can also help with differential diagnosis. I actually personally had a case where I was in practice and a patient was sent to me for a COPD review by another clinician who the patient was seen by uh, because the clinician felt that the patient's COPD was not well controlled because they actually had shortness of breath. So I went through the red flags as you do before jumping in and up titrating COPD treatment just to find out if, you know, there's other uh, sinister causes for the shortness of breath. And I actually discovered that the patient 
had acute onset bilateral ankle swelling. And as soon as I heard that, I just, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was heart failure. So obviously, you know, after investigating some more, I felt that, you know, this certainly could be heart failure. Uh, rather than a case of deteriorating COPD. So I went ahead and, you know, booked the patient in for an urgent blood test for BNP, which, as I said earlier, was the main um, heart failure marker. And when the blood test results came through, lo and behold, the patient, you know, BNP levels were through the roof. So the patient was quickly referred to hospital and it turned out that the patient did have heart failure and was able to receive the treatment that they needed. So I think that's just an example of not only the reason why it's important to understand, you know, the red flags and differential diagnosis, but also some of the comorbidities that might be associated with some of the other conditions. And because I was, I was no expert in heart failure by any means at that point, because this was a few years ago. However, because I had, you know, a basic understanding of heart failure and I was aware of the, some of the signs and symptoms associated with it and how you go on and um, investigate for these, I was able to, you know, make that intervention when I saw it. And as you can see, hopefully from that example, you can't always rely on other clinicians and the other clinician was actually a locum GP. So I think we have to ensure that, I, I always say this to our pharmacists, whenever you see your patient, whether it's for a medication review or, um, you know, you're seeing the patient for a specific chronic condition review, you can't turn a blind eye to other things. You have to make sure that you look at the patient holistically because this may be, you know, one of the few opportunities that the patient uh, will have to receive the care that they need. So yeah, hopefully that gives you all some food for thought and, you know, inspires you to go on and learn a little bit more about heart failure and start supporting your practices with heart failure reviews. And if you're interested in learning more about heart failure, I would encourage you to have a look at our academy. As Rahina mentioned earlier, we have a module on heart failure, which is part of the clinical medication review series. It's pretty concise and it teaches you everything you need to know for how to conduct a comprehensive heart failure review. The training goes into detail about what to do if your patient's symptomatic, what the normal ranges are for all your monitoring parameters, such as, you know, pulse rate, blood pressure, weight, BMP levels, when to request an ECG, when diuretics should be introduced, all the different pharmacotherapies and which patients they're suitable for, which patients they may not be suitable for, and of course, when to refer and the urgency of various referrals. So. Yeah, I encourage everyone to have a look at that. Thank you, Rina. I think that was really, really informative. I think everyone listening would have learned a lot from that. And I think you can definitely see your expertise in these areas. And I think that last example was really food for thought for everyone to think about. So not only trusting your own instincts as a clinician and also doing the right and relevant checks. And I think that's really important as pharmacists get more and more involved. We've got advanced clinical practitioners out there. We've got independent prescribing pharmacists that are doing these checks as well. So always as a clinician, look at things from the beginning, even if you do have some additional advice. So like yourself, having someone come in for a COPD review, it's really important that you do that differential diagnosis and act in the best interests of that patient. Know that it might not always be a simple, straightforward up titration of one medication for a particular disease area to look at all the possibilities as well. So I think that was really, really useful. And I think that was a really key example. So thank you, Runa. And thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you, Runa.